Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm Kirsten. And this is Most Foul. Howdy, partner. <laughs> it's time to rustle up a podcast. How you doing? It's all southern, but... I guess that is sort of like westerns. How do they talk? <laughs> yeah, this is where my expertise kicks in. <laughs> Just a lot of how howdy partners, I guess. Yeah, I feel like a Missouri accent would be closer to an old west accent. I don't know. Yellow bellied <laughs> liver <Lily> liver. liver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bunch of buckaroos. <laughs> totes god what would what would old cowboys make of us they'd all have heart attacks because of (laughs) air conditioning and electricity (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah this one feels very familiar i mean i didn't grow up in the old west but southern missouri has a lot in common ranches and for me it was infinite westerns at my grandpa's house yeah all he watched was just westerns yeah yeah that also same and like a national day of mourning when true grit died the fact that i even know that john wayne is called true grit yeah i just think of that movie with Haley steinfeld (laughs) true grit (laughs) I know, I know. No, he was the OG, the Duke, the uh the yucky human being, which is another podcast, but Yeah. Before we get into the culture of Billy the Kid, have you ever done any of like the old west towns or like the ghost towns? Yeah. So when we moved from California back to the East Coast a couple years ago, We took the northern route and we went through South Dakota and we stopped at this place called 1880s Town, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. I mean, if you're ever in South Dakota, I highly recommend it. Just so cool. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a town that's made up of buildings that were actually, you know, buildings in the 1880s in, in the West from different areas, but I think mostly from from that kind of area. Just so cool, so authentic. There's a saloon. I mean, it's just really, really cool. And it's very authentic. It's not Disneyfied at all. And there's kind of a old junk area with, you know, different collectibles and I don't know. It's just it's a very cool place. So I would highly recommend that. But no ghost towns. I, I haven't done. I've wanted to, but never had the chance. I went to a ghost town and southern california or nevada don't Mm. know for sure somewhere close in that region yeah and i would not recommend it was like such a cheesy tourist attraction Mm. yeah like you know like oh who cares you have to pay for parking but even that it was like oh i have to pay for parking and it was just like bad actors and old timey clothes Mm. and it was just like no I just wanted to see it like I don't need this it's like I can go to it doesn't make sense because it's in Tennessee but I feel like I can go to Dollywood and get this experience right 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 
well, then you should go to 1880s town because it's amazing and it's authentic. I mean, they have somebody working in the saloon and I think he probably was wearing, you know, old timey clothes. But other than that, it was it was the real deal. You just kind of self guide, go in all of these old buildings. It was neat. I mean, even in California, I think in what is it like Old Town Sacramento, there's that really old schoolhouse. Yeah. Did we go in that? We must have. We When we did our thing? Yeah, we've at least walked past it. And then like, I don't know, it's like, I guess it's just old timey in my head and not particularly the West. Because even in like St. Augustine, Florida, it was like the oldest wooden schoolhouse in the country. And it's all got the same vibe. Yeah, there's something about the Old West. It's such a, a funny thing. I guess all I think about is sand and dirt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was probably pretty disgusting. And the Wells Fargo wagon is uh, coming round the bend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean. But also fuck Wells Fargo, unless they want to advertise and it'd have to be a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand its appeal. It doesn't appeal to me personally. I mean, there are part there. I was just trying to trick you to see if you thought I was frozen. <laughs> I'm thinking just very slowly. Um, there are parts of it that are interesting to me, just as as much as I'm interested in any kind of history. But it doesn't, I don't know, hit that nerve like it does for some people. But I guess that's because I, I don't know, I abandoned that American dream mythos kind mm-hmm. of thing a long time ago. So. I don't know. And and obviously the whole macho like Marlboro man thing is not targeting me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think I'm the audience they had in mind. So I don't know. Yeah, it just and like you, I was subjected to many hours of Western movies and like Bonanza and ugh. which could not have been more boring as a child. <laughs> Totally. It's so boring. (laughs) And even like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, I feel like somebody at some point tried to use that as like the gateway drug to Westerns for me. And I was like, no, this is dumb. And these women are dumb. And that was like my sister's favorite movie. Really? (laughs) I've seen parts of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers (laughs) so many times. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I lived it, so. Well, and it's like a period of unbelievable queer erasure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so many queer people existed in this time and this place, so much that we have to have the conversations in 2022 about Sam Elliott and Power of the Dog and Ugh. how you shouldn't show any queerness in Westerns. So, yeah, I think... Westerns are just like white straight man propaganda through and through. Totally. Totally. And I mean, not even, well, whatever, not even like situational homosexuality. I mean, all those dudes were out there with like zero women for year on year on year and nobody (laughs) was having sex with each other. But I mean, that just, you know, impossible. Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. And I mean, I read that, like, people literally died of loneliness. (laughs) Like, the isolation out in the West was 
Yeah. There, there could be so many explorations of that time that yeah. aren't just gunslinger movies. Like, uh, maybe, maybe this is what we should do. Like, think about yeah. untold stories of the West. Yeah, because I love that part of the world. And again, if you're listening from somewhere not the United States, the Southwest and the Far West are just, to me, the most beautiful place on Earth. There's so much variety and diversity. Uh, ecological diversity. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, very much so. But yeah, all that dick waving or whatever it's called doesn't appeal to me. No, not that dick version. Waving. That doesn't. <laughs> yes, not that version. Exactly. Dick waving. That's not. I'm having trouble with words today. Dick swinging. I don't know. I'm oh, actually, say dick one more time, be. and then I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Speaking dick swinging. of s- stopping, I'm just listening to the garbage truck right outside. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what day of the week or what time of day we record; there will be a garbage <laughs> truck. <laughs> so, do you want to hear about this pop culture? Absolutely. Surprisingly, slash unsurprisingly, Billy the Kid is a pop culture institution. Yeah. Hundreds of songs, books, movies, radio programs, TV shows, plays have been inspired by the story of this outlaw, which, listener, I'm assuming you listened to last week's episode, is kind of not that big of a story. Yeah. Um, And I mentioned this last week, but in fact, Billy has the special distinction, almost 40 episodes into our show... Billy the Kid holds the record for the most motion pictures made on a single individual in filmmaking history. Now, I don't want to impugn your research abilities because they are top tier. How can that be true? Well, first, eat shit, Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Eat shit, Ted Bundy. I mean, Jesus Christ? Yeah, probably. Not a criminal, but... But I think it's that it's films about this person. So, like, other people pop up in films, but, like, the films aren't Billy the Kid. Like, But, I mean, Jesse James. It's still Billy. I don't know why. It's and confounding. I'll, I'll be talking to you about a bunch of them. Yeah, let's hear it. So... I think I also mentioned this last week, too, but another interesting thing about Billy the Kid is that depictions of him in pop culture have fluctuated between cold-blooded murderer with no heart and sentimental hero fighting for justice. So maybe that's a piece of it, too, is that his, like, mythos, you can have him as, like, a misunderstood character or an Mm. evil character. Like, there's a Mm. lot of wiggle room in that story. And I think it's also the story of, like, a dedicated lawman, like, one single lawman going after him. Mm, mm. Again, the Marlboro Man kind of thing. As early as 1929, Billy was already a pop culture staple. So Texas historian J. Frank Dobie wrote in the 1929 book of a caro of the brush country quote billy the kid will always be interesting 
will always appeal to the popular imagination. End quote. So, but why? He was right. What, <laughs> I know, but why? Like, what? I need a why. I don't know. But Billy is maybe even more popular nearly a hundred years after that was written. So wild. Yeah. So there's a plethora of writers and filmmakers that have portrayed him in all these different lights. And in any case, the dramatic aspects of his really short life and violent death still appeal to popular taste. He remains an icon of teenage rebellion and nonconformity. It really is bizarre how this story has is so different from the true story. Yeah. And the it's like, I guess, mythologizing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of in real time, if you think of it already by before 1930, like these myths were already cemented about him. And it continues. I mean, you'll see like a lot of the different subsections of media have really recent things in them. But so amazing. Yeah. That said, we'll start with some theater. So the stage play Billy the Kid was co-written by Joseph Saintly and Walter Woods, and that hit Broadway in 1906. What? So an early, early Broadway play. So 25 years after his death. Yeah. Wow. So fast. Um, Aaron Copeland's Billy the Kid was a music and ballet that premiered in 1938. Michael McClure's 1965 play, The Beard, recounts a fictional meeting between Billy the Kid and American actress in Platinum Blomshell. Blomshell. Platinum <laughs> I like Blomshell. Gene <laughs> Harlow. Mm. Uh, then there's 1973. Billy returned with Michael Ondaatje's play, the Collected Works of Billy the Kid, which was an adaptation of a book that I'll mention in the literature section in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most recently, Ben Morales Frost and Richard Huff's 2017 musical, Billy the Kid, which was for the National Youth Music Theater, uh, made its debut. I mean, all of that just like, what? Yeah, 100%. It's like... <laughs> I. A Broadway play that close to his death. <laughs> yeah. And Aaron Copeland? I mean... Oh, there's going to even... be big names as we go through this. Wow. Well, big names for older folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm talking about myself as well. Like, I even put in there, like, for our younger listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we move to radio and TV... We got to start at literature with a name I didn't expect to find. O. Henry. What? O. Henry based his Western hero fictional character, the Cisco Kid, on Billy the Kid. And I don't get into it, but the Cisco Kid went on to appear in dozens of books, radio shows, and movies, and became a cultural icon during the six season TV series, The Cisco Kid, in the 1950s. Wow. Wow. So immediately, pop culture was obsessed with Billy the Kid. Um, The short story El Asino Disinteresado was written by Jorge Luis Borges. And that was part of a series, A Universal History of Infamy. Now you blow my mind. (laughs) 
Uh, jumping a couple decades, in 1958, Jack Spicer released a serial poem entitled Billy the Kid. Um, in 65, El Bandito Ad Solente by Ramon Sender. And then the novel, The Collected Works of Billy the Kid, Left-Handed Poems, was released in 1970. And that was also written by Michael Ondace. And that was the source material for the play that I mentioned. Mm. And this book was so successful that it won the Governor General's Award for Experimental Poetry. And it's been described as historiographic metafiction, meaning that the text contains poetry, prose, and images from both historical and pop culture sources. Hmm. Jumping up ahead a few decades again, and I don't remember if I said this or not, but there was no way I could have included everything. This is a long list and it's abbreviated. Wow. Um, so in 1988, Anything for Billy, a fictionalized account of Billy's last year was released and that was by Larry McMurtry. The Illegal Rebirth of Billy the Kid was released in 91 and that's a science fiction novel by Rebecca Orr. What Happened to Billy the Kid by Helen Airy came out in 2005 and in it, Billy the Kid escapes from Pat Garrett and lives out the rest of his life as John Miller, which, spoiler alert, at the after the culture section, we're going to talk about the theories that maybe he didn't die when they yeah. said he died. <laughs> uh, and then most recently in 2016, The Kid by Ron Hansen was released. So like I said, there are many, many more books, but for the sake of time and for just the <laughs> sake of listeners' patience, I'm not going <laughs> to go through all of any of the sections outside of maybe video games. <laughs> so transitioning over to radio, the first episode of the immensely popular Gunsmoke radio series broadcast on April 2nd, 1952 was titled Billy the Kid. Mm. It purported to tell of Billy's first murder as a runaway boy and credits Matt Dillon with giving him the Billy the Kid moniker. Mm. So quick aside, Gunsmoke, the radio show, ran from 1952 to 1961, and the TV show Gunsmoke ran for 20 seasons from 52 to 75 with 635 episodes. And that I had no idea there was a radio version. Oh, yeah, the precursor to TV. And not that Billy made it what it was, but the entire show kicked off with Billy the Kid. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm, How cool is I'm that? I'm just speechless. <laughs> um, at the end of its run in 1975, LA Times columnist Cecil Smith wrote, quote, Gunsmoke was the dramatization of the American epic legend of the West. Our own Iliad and Odyssey, created from standard elements of the dime novel and the pulp western as romanticized by Buntline, Hart, and Mark Twain. It was ever the stuff of legend, end quote. Mm. It's wild. It is wild. I mean, I'm trying to process this in real time, but <laughs> it's very, it's just, yeah. I mean, I don't... <laughs> We like to use superlatives, but I honestly don't feel like you've ever dug up anything that shocked me as much as this. <laughs> well, I think it's like triple shocking because you doing the research of the crime, it's like, oh, this is like a really short story. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if that's almost it and, and the lack of historical record 
and there's not much to it and you know there's only one known confirmed picture of him is like you were saying before it almost allows you to kind of project whatever onto him he makes a good template whereas some other western outlaws were much more real and more Mm -hmm. documented and so it was harder to take them in different directions probably coming soon from most foul podcast media billy the kid (laughs) (laughs) shifting back to radio the cbs radio series crime classics told the story of billy the kid in 53 and the episode featured sam edwards as billy the kid and william conrad as pat garrett so like I said, I think the also that plus a single outlaw chased by a single lawman, I think also adds to easy storytelling. Yes, but that's really kind of made up. I mean, all of this, it's so interesting <laughs> yeah. from a marketing lens, right? Because I think everybody knows that's what we do professionally. But he ran with posses. They just weren't part of the marketing campaign around him. So it's like people later went into his story and extracted him from the context. But, you know, all of his, not all of his crimes, but a lot of them, it was him running with a posse of different people. Every time he was captured, it was with either a friend or multiple friends. Mm-hmm. Um So really, this idea of this lone wolf is kind of made up. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. It is. (laughs) So following Gunsmoke's lead, let's transition the conversation from radio to TV. Mm -hmm. Richard Jackal played the kid in the 1954 episode, Billy the Kid, of the syndicated TV series, Stories of the Century, which... I don't know, maybe I should check out the episode list and see if there's potential (laughs) stories we should be covering. (laughs) Totally. The NBC series The Tall Man ran from 1960 to 1962, and that starred Mm -hmm. Clue Gulliger as Billy the Kid and Barry Sullivan as Pat Garrett. Mm -hmm. And it might not sound a lot because it ran for two years, but TV wasn't the same as it is today. It had 75 episodes. Oh my gosh. So it had a lot. It ran a lot more than a lot of shows we have today. Wow. So next we have Robert Vaughn starring as Billy the Kid in a 1957 episode of the series Tales of Wells Fargo. There was a series called Tales of Wow. Come and round the bend. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Ding, ding, ding. None other than Robert Blake, who starred as Billy the Kid in the 1966 Death Valley Days episode, The Kid from Hell's Kitchen. I mean, that feels like such perfect stunt casting, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's just crazy. I'm excited to tell you about some of the other actors as we make our way down. Yay. Uh, In that same series... Tom Heaton also played Billy the Kid in a different episode called Lost Sheep in Trinidad. Oh, interesting. The next year, so 1967, Robert Walker Jr. starred as Billy the Kid in an episode of the science fiction series The Time Tunnel. Hmm. So 
a little Ripper-esque. We're getting science fiction and time travel <laughs> mixed mm-hmm. in now. <laughs> and again, for expediency, I, c- I could have gone on forever, but skipping a few decades, Billy the Kid is portrayed by, or portrayed as a zombie in an episode from 2002 of The Simpsons <laughs> and one of their Treehouse of Horror episodes, which doesn't everything connect back to The Simpsons in some <laughs> way? <laughs> but still, moving on. The American Experience season 24 episode, Billy the Kid, aired on PBS in 2012. Mm-hmm. Jorel Vosborg starred as Billy the Kid in the 2015 National Geographic TV documentary, Billy the Kid, New Evidence. And that was narrated mm. by Kevin Costner. Mm. Derek Cheriton starred as Billy the Kid in the 2016 AMC documentary, The American West. And most recently, Billy the Kid, starring Tom Blythe as Billy, is a TV drama series based on the life of Billy the Kid. And it premiered like, two weeks ago (laughs) on epics so i haven't watched it yet it's season one has eight episodes and it'll be interesting to see if it's popular and takes off or if it's kind of a one season wonder Mm, yeah so moving over to movies his claim to fame again not an exhaustive list but we start with billy the kid a 1911 silent film directed by lawrence trimble and starring teft johnson That same year, so also 1911, The Adventures of Billy, another silent film, was directed by D.W. Griffith and starred Edna Foster. Hmm. And interesting, both of these 1911 films portrayed Billy as a girl impersonating a boy. Hmm. Don't know why. Couldn't find any real reason. But so like some of our other episodes slash cases slash people, Billy was like, at the start of American film. Mm. So I think that also aids in that interesting record. Yeah. Well, it's almost like it spawned a whole genre. Yeah. And I never realized it was, I mean, I knew the name Billy the Kid, but I never knew the media was this prevalent. No, I had no idea. So, Moving forward a couple decades, the 1930 film Billy the Kid comes out. It's directed by King Vidor and starred Johnny Mac Brown as Billy and Wallace Beery as Pat Garrett. Next, we have the aptly named Billy the Kid Returns in 1938. Uh, In this one, Roy Rogers plays the dual role of Billy the Kid and his dead ringer lookalike who shows up after the kid has been shot by Pat Garrett. Then in 1941, the movie I mentioned two movies ago, Billy the Kid from 1930, was remade. (laughs) This time starring Robert Taylor and Brian Donlevy. Huh. Uh, And then, a a reel for the sake of expediency, Bob Steele and Buster Crabbe portrayed Billy the Kid in a series of 42 Western films from 1940 to 1947. (laughs) What? Oh, my God. So 42 films from Poverty Row Studio Producers Distributing Corporation in seven years. How? Like, how does that even happen? Uh, Amphetamines (laughs) and the threat of death. (laughs) 
So a few of these titles are like Blazing Frontier, The Renegade, Cattle Stampede, Western Cyclone. I just condensed all of that into one bullet point. But yeah, yeah, 42 movies right there. That's crazy. <laughs> Looking at other movies in that same time period, The Outlaw, which was Howard Hughes' 1943 motion picture, starred Jack Butel as Billy and featured old Hollywood star Jane Russell in her breakthrough role as the kid's fictional love interest. In 1950, I Shot Billy the Kid was released, and that was directed by William Burke and starred Don Barry as Billy. That same year, The Kid from Texas starred Audie Murphy as Billy the Kid. Uh, Another film came out in 1952 starring Rocky Lane going after Billy the Kid's lost treasure. The Law versus Billy the Kid was released in 1954 by Columbia Pictures and starred... Scott Brady is the kid. James Griffith is Pat Garrett. The Left-Handed Gun, Arthur Penn's 1958 movie, was based on a Gore Vidal teleplay, and that starred Paul Newman as Billy and John Dinner as Garrett. (laughs) So, for the younger folks, these are big stars. Yes. (laughs) And these are big movies. The Boy from Oklahoma came out in 1954, and that had Tyler McDuff in the role as Billy the Kid. Surprisingly, or unsurprisingly at this point, (laughs) uh, in 1966, we have Billy the Kid versus Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not surprising. Um, It was directed by William Bodine, and it has Count Dracula, played by John Carradine, (laughs) traveling to the Old West. What? Yes. And in this movie, Dracula takes a shine to Billy's fiance and tries to turn her into a vampire. As one does. So shout out to our Vlad Dracula episode. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. You'll learn interesting things like Dracula has always been a part of the public domain. So you can have movies like Billy the Kid versus Dracula. (laughs) Wow. But back to Billy. The 1970 film, Chisholm, is set during the Lincoln County War, and it stars Jeffrey Dwell as Billy and Glenn Corbett as Pat Garrett. Then there's 72's Dirty Little Billy, which was set during Billy's early years as a criminal. So the next year, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid came out, and that starred Chris Christopherson as Billy and James Coburn as Pat. And it featured a soundtrack by none other than Bob Dylan, who also appears in the movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which I promise we'll get to music soon. There's just a bit more movies to work through. (laughs) So quickly finishing up, uh, there's the 1988 movie Young Guns, where Emilio Estevez stars as Billy and Patrick Wayne as Pat. Hmm. We then have Gore Vidal's 1989 TV movie, Billy the Kid, starring Val Kilmer as Billy. Okay. Uh, That same year, Billy made an appearance in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. (laughs) Uh, In 1990, Young Guns 2 came out, also starring Emilio Estevez as Billy. There's the 1999 TV movie, Purgatory, starring Donnie Wahlberg as Deputy Glenn and (laughs) Billy the Kid, I guess, small budget. 
Okay. <laughs> Keeping the theme of actors reprising their roles, there's 2006's Requiem for Billy the Kid by Anne Fine Sibler, and that features again Chris Christopherson taking on the role of Billy. Wait, 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 wait. 2006? Yes. Okay, in real time, I'm looking up how old Chris Christopherson was in 2006. 107 is my guess. <laughs> he was definitely... He was 70. So that movie must be about a Billy the Kid that lived. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you for indulging my little... Because he's Canon. been old forever. <laughs> Yeah, he's been old since you were alive. Birth of a Legend, a 2011 film in two parts, was based on Frederick Nolan's book, The Lincoln County War. The Kid, a film directed by Vincent D'Onofrio, was released in 2019. Hmm. And most recently, 2021's Old Henry was a film directed by Patsy Ponsrali and starring Tim Blake Nelson and Henry McCarty. And this film posits that Billy returned to his birth name after surviving the supposed assassination. Hmm. So, moving over to music, mm -hmm. we start with a song aptly named Billy the Kid. <laughs> a Western folk song in the public domain, and it was published in John A. Lomax and Alan Lomax's American Ballads and Folk Songs album, as well as their cowboy songs and other frontier ballads. Hmm. Members of the Western Writers of America chose it as one of the top 100 Western songs of all time. Wow. And in it, the lyrics perpetuate several myths about the kid, such as his exaggerated kill count of 21 men, and the hmm. suggestion that Pat Garrett had known him as a friend. So again, mm. mythologizing this untrue yeah. story. It's like when a horror story is based on true events. Mm -hmm. I think that's the stories of Billy the Kid are loosely based on true events. Yeah. <laughs> um, there have been many recordings of this song, including versions by the Sons of the Pioneers in 37, Woody Guthrie in 40, Tex Ritter in 45, Marty Robbins in 59. And Woody Guthrie went on to use the same melody for his song, So Long, It's Been Good to Know Ya. Hmm. Bob Dylan's album, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, was the soundtrack to the film that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. The Ballad of Billy the Kid is a song by Billy Joel on his 1973 Piano Man album. Hmm. Charlie Daniels recorded the song Billy the Kid on his 1976 album, High Lonesome. And then that was covered by Charles Ledeau on his album, Haywire. <laughs> Joe Eli recorded the song Me and Billy the Kid in 87. Running Wild recorded a song called Billy the Kid in 91. Tom Petty wrote the song Billy the Kid for his 99 album, Echo. Mm. Dia Frampton's Billy the Kid was on her 2011 album, Red. Oh, this isn't recorded. This is just cursed in my conversation, but uh, John Bon Jovi's album, Blaze of Glory, <laughs> was used as part of the soundtrack for the movie Young Guns 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't make that connection. 
Uh, Rye Coder recorded the folk song Billy the Kid on the album Into the Purple Valley with his own melody and instrumental, but it's still the lyrics of the old song. Uh, Marty Robbins recorded Billy the Kid in his legendary concept album Gunfire Ballads and Trail Songs. Mm. And there's... We may or may not listen to that one quite often around our <laughs> around our house. <laughs> there's many, many more. Like all the other zones, I could have kept going, but I had to stop somewhere for yeah, the yeah. sake of your ears. <laughs> so winding down... A thing I would have never thought of in my life until this podcast yeah. came to be. Billy, unsurprisingly now, is a mainstay in the world of comics. Yeah, yeah. So Billy the Kid Adventure Magazine ran from 1950 to 1955. Billy the Kid ran from 1957 to 1983. There was another separate comic in 62, also entitled Billy the Kid. There was a French comic, L'Escort, in 66, about Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid's old-timey oddities came out in 2005. (laughs) And The True Death of Billy the Kid was released in 2018. So keeping that theme, every single piece of culture has made it to at least 2016 or not piece of culture every media mm-hmm. has had something at least in the 2000s that is not and i think i'd have to double check fact check myself but i think they've all had something within the 2010s yeah all it the sounded way like it to that tv show that is literally airing live right now right so our last sort of glance at physical and digital media I found two video games. On the mobile game, Fate Grand Order, Billy the Kid is an archer-class servant who debuted as an ally in the fifth chapter of the main story. And in Call of Juarez, gunslinger Billy the Kid is one of the allies of the main character who gets rescued by the main character in the main mission of the game. (laughs) And with that, it's clear to see that Billy the Kid is an American pop culture phenomenon. Mm. Even with this extensive list I've gone through, there are dozens and dozens and dozens more things that I didn't find or didn't mention. And for whatever reason, it is not slowing down. Billy the Kid is a mainstay in current media. It's so incredible like this has my brain just spinning out in a million different ways because i feel like i mean i i think probably historians and scholars this isn't any news to them but to me this is new information that billy the kid is almost like the american archetype right and unlike most other episodes i mean with the exception of o henry's the cisco kid Mm-hmm. I didn't even go into fictionalized characters inspired. These are right. all Billy projects. Right, right, right. Which, I mean, I do feel like in fairness, you could make the case that, again, because he's somewhat a blank slate, that even things that are strictly Billy projects um, yeah. are... <laughs> You know, like in a way he's an avatar, but I mean, that's splitting hairs. But sort of thinking back to our Bugsy Siegel, where it was like, well, yeah. almost every gangster 
is Bugsy, where these things were all like characters named Billy. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, part of me is like, is it just because he had a catchy nickname? I mean, what is it? It's so fascinating to me because at the same time, and I think this more recent television show, I haven't watched it, but I've read some of the reviews. I think it focuses on his Irishness. So I didn't talk about that, but his his parents were Irish immigrants and the 1880s, the, from the 1850s to the 1880s were a time of huge Irish immigration into New York and Boston. And you know, life was really hard for Irish immigrants at that time. And I mean, again, I'm not one of those like, well, the Irish were slaves too, yada, yada. Like, no, um, not comparing yeah. experiences. The Irish came here willingly compared to a lot of people who did not. And the Irish had it pretty rough um, during that time. But it's an interesting exploration of a different facet of his identity, Yes. You know, so much of American identity does involve immigration wherever your ancestors came from, that that's kind of at the heart of white American experience. Um, Everyone came from somewhere. Everyone experienced a certain level of hardship, whether it was imposed upon you by other people who were already here, meaning other colonists, not, not indigenous peoples. Or whether it was just the hardship of coming to a place that was very rugged and and not settled by people who lived in the way that you were familiar with. And and then his, you know, family's migration across the country. I don't know. It's just like it touches on a lot of things that feel like they would feel relevant to a lot of people. But I think it's kind of surprising that he became this phenomenon even during the time when Irish people were really looked down upon. Well, he changed his name. Yeah, so maybe that kind of got separated. Although when you look at him, so that's one of the things that also is really interesting about him is that there are several kind of different pictures out there, but there's only one that historians feel can without a doubt be said to be of him. Mm-hmm. And when you really zoom in on that picture, I mean, it's just an Irish mug through and through. I mean, he <laughs> just looks like all of my male cousins. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's so intriguing. And part of what kind of spun out of this immediately is not pop culture in the way that we kind of think about it. But immediately there were rumors that he wasn't actually killed. And I think that maybe also started some of the intrigue because there was kind of a mystery to it, even though there wasn't really a mystery. But I guess if you start to add in some of the pieces of like, he was an outlaw at like 15. Right. He wiggled his way out of a chimney to escape a jail at 15. Like he had so many escapes. I suppose that could also lend itself to like, oh, well, he didn't really die. He escaped. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it just seems like there's something in, like, human psyche. Well, cough, cough, Elvis, Tupac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess, I don't know, I've I've read um, neurologists talk about that's just how human brains are wired to see patterns and to see sometimes information where there is just noise. Um 
and that's what helps us survive, but it also can misfire at times. It's so fascinating. I really wish I could remember my previous point. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just... I, maybe for me, because I did grow up in Missouri, home of Jesse James, and so that's kind of your designated mm-hmm. outlaw that gets focused on. Um, but I had no idea. No idea. It's just wild. Like, I don't remember if you talked about it but like billy was supposed to be pardoned in the 18 the end of the 1870s -hmm. because like everybody who participated in the lincoln county war were supposed to be pardoned yeah and everyone was except him yeah or because the charges were dropped against everyone but him yeah because he'd murdered like a sheriff yeah I mean, I don't know. It seems like the slant of this new show is kind of, you know, he he was orphaned at an early age and he was kind of in some ways forced into this life of crime that started with petty theft to survive and then escalated. That seems like kind of the the slant of it. And I mean, I can see that and it does seem like his early life was very difficult. But also, life was hard for a lot of people at that time. A lot of people were orphaned when they were young. A lot of people, you know, were hungry and all, all the things that he encountered and, you know, didn't go on to this life. But I do think that in the telling of this, I'm kind of changing my mind about the sociopath part. Like the quote that I talked about from him earlier, it could just be that you know, that kind of hardened, shut-off quality that people get when they've had a really, really hard life, mm-hmm. you know, and not actually doesn't experience fear or feelings. Well, and it's all speculation, but there's um, there's a historical story that when Billy the Kid got to Las Vegas, he had dinner with Jesse James. Mm. And, like... That could be a whole movie. Yeah. That totally. just that dinner. <laughs> well, I mean, so the theories that he survived, one of them was based on that myth that you mentioned, this idea that Garrett and he were friendly and that Garrett kind of took pity on him and let him escape essentially and pretended like he was dead, which I just don't see. I mean, the bounty was $500 which is equivalent to about $14,000 now. I mean, I suppose in in that kind of conspiracy theory, he still went on to claim it, so he wouldn't have been sacrificing the money. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would this guy waste a bunch of time running around after someone who was his friend, I, you know? Yeah, but I guess that's sort of the storytelling angle. Like, there's so many like a friendly rivalry and once you catch your guy like you also lose Mm. i mean oh like a heat kind of thing yeah even like modern day stuff i feel like that trope is very common like when you finally vanquish your enemy it's like well what do i have left to live for (laughs) like this was my life oh i forgot to mention it too but um it was big news when he died and 
like the Times of London ran his obituary. What? Yeah, back in the what was that like 1881 maybe like the mm-hmm. early 1880s when he died um yeah it was so big the times of london ran the obituary that's crazy so, so it had to be the catchy name i think the catchy right? name also like oh he always gets out of it and he he did for a long time i mean he like met with the governor he talked with the governor like mm-hmm. a lot of the charges were dropped it was just future crimes where even more happened and it was like, nah, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of people came out later and actually claimed to be Billy the kid. There was one guy who, let's see, Brushy Bill Roberts uh, claimed that he was Billy the kid in 1948. He lived in Texas Um, And he actually made the claim of being Billy the Kid by petitioning the New Mexico governor at the time for a pardon. (laughs) And they dismissed his claims and he died not long after. But the town that he lived in made a deal of it and opened a museum in their town, even though Billy never lived in Texas. Then there was also a man named John Miller who lived in Arizona and he claimed to be Billy the Kid. And... It was unsupported even by his own family, but after his death, his family was kind of like, well, maybe he was. And so he was buried, and then in May of 2005, they exhumed him and extracted his teeth and some bone fragments, and they were tested and DNA was taken, and then they compared them to some blood samples that were taken from some floorboards in the old Lincoln County courthouse. So supposedly where his, uh, Billy the Kid's body had been placed after he was um, shot. And I mean, kind of unsurprisingly, the lab results were useless. Then there was also a push at a different time to exhume Billy the Kid's mother and have the DNA compared with John Miller's DNA. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of like, well, Billy the Kid has a grave. Why not exhume what's there and compare that to his mother? Yeah. Right? Instead of comparing these random people. But so I don't know. I mean, there are lawsuits and, you know, Lincoln County doesn't want to exhume the mom and back and forth. And essentially at this point, nothing has happened more in that area. But it seems like something that could be put to rest if... Yeah, People totally. really wanted and had the will to do that. So I think, you know, it's probably pretty clear that he died. You know, a jury of six people examined the body and claimed at the time that it was Billy the Kid. And even though not a lot of pictures have survived, people knew what he looked like. I mean, he spent a lot of time in this kind of small region mm-hmm. and he was well known. So I don't see any reason to doubt the testimony of six different people, even if we wanted to believe that Garrett somehow like had this, you know, Al Pacino moment and yeah, <laughs> wanted to, you know, set his butterfly free or whatever. I, I just, I don't see it. I was looking through my bigger notes and I might have found something that helps explain mm-hmm. 
1882, a pulp novel called The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid came out, Mm -hmm. and it purported to be written by Pat Garrett, which Mm. was not true. It was ghost written by a journalist, and that book is much more myth than fact. So right after he died, this book comes out that is pretending to be written by Pat Garrett that people are like, well, it must be the real story if it's him. Right. So that must be what he was responding to when he wrote his book. Mm-hmm. So interesting. But even still, I mean, it wasn't just London. I mean, his obituary was in hundreds of newspapers. So he was a full-on folk star even before he died. Like, I think it's just hard to comprehend. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, again, it's this idea of this American archetype that appeals on a subconscious level to Americans. But then I can't really, I can't explain it beyond these borders, but I don't know. So interesting. Yeah. Well, who knows what'll come next? (laughs) There's going to be a lot more Billy the Kid stuff. For sure. For sure. What a prescient quote that was. (sighs) But I also, Amazing. I think he died. I, I think it's just sort of the the norm to be like, well, maybe yeah. he didn't, especially with his numerous escapes. I mean, I suppose it's not a 0% chance someone else could have died and they just said it was him, but he probably did die. Yeah, for sure. I mean... One for sure by now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> unless there's more validity to the Dracula story. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think he died, too. Um, So weird, though. Oh, gosh. Well... This is a good one. I think so, too. I I couldn't believe. (laughs) I'm flabbergasted still. So, listeners, if you have any favorite Billy the Kid pop culture, let us know. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And if you're listening from outside the U.S. and you have a fascination, tell us why. What is it? about this weirdly American story that appeals. That would be fascinating. I second that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could bring back um, inciting incidents for that one. Huh. Well, I guess with that, listeners, we appreciate the hell out of you. Absolutely. Yay. Please head over to Apple Podcast and rate and review our show. It really helps us out. Plus, we'll read five-star reviews on an upcoming episode. This has been a Facts from Janet production. 